Well, my friends, we're continuing in our series of sermons called Christmas with Scrooge. And who wouldn't you rather spend Christmas with than good old bah humbug Scrooge? Oh, and so what we're doing over this Advent season is taking a look at the beloved Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, and following Scrooge's journey to see how it can help us enlighten the scriptures and the story of Jesus' coming at Christmas. Today we actually have two passages that we'll read. We'll read again from the book of Isaiah. We'll read two verses there, verses 2 and verse 6. And then we'll turn over to the story of the shepherds that first Christmas day in Luke chapter 2. And I'll guide you along. I invite you to hear the word from the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem to see this thing which has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What is your earliest memory? What is your earliest memory? My earliest memory is rather vivid. I'm a child, very little. Two years old, my mom tells me. And I'm waiting expectantly by the screen door of our upstate New York apartment. And I've got my little bag packed with a Care Bear sitting on top. I'm an 80s child, what do you expect? And I was waiting for him to come. It was his weekend, and I was packed and ready to go. And I remember being excited. I can still kind of feel it. It's so strange how memory is, isn't it? And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and the door never opened. And it never opened again. And it comes in flashes, really. 
It skips from that screen door to my mom holding me in her lap to the screen door to my mom discreetly wiping tears away because that was a moment where things inevitably changed completely in her relationship and in mine. And she did that same thing, discreetly wiping tears away years later when I finally got the courage to say, Mom, is this memory real? Yes. And there are other memories Happy ones, terrific ones, joyful ones, all sprinkled with times of confusion or hurt or anger. What is your earliest memory? What memories do you cherish in your life? What memories still sting? When the clock strikes the hour, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited like he said, was told he would be, by the ghost of Christmas past. You might, I can still envision it with that old black and white movie. That's what he'll always look like to me. Charles Dickens, in, in his book form, describes the ghost's voice in, a, in very interesting ways. He says this. He says the voice was soft and gentle, singularly low, as if instead of being close beside him, it were at a distance. And one writer who was talking about this has an insightful thought about the ghost's voice. He says, I think that voice perfectly describes memories. Sometimes a memory feels like it's very close right next to us, but other times they are at a long distance. And that seems true about memory. It seems, I mean, think about it. Uh, some of you, maybe your children have grown up and moved out of the house, and yet you still put up all the stockings and decorations and the Christmas tree, and you can't really pinpoint why you do it. You're not even going to be there for Christmas. You're going to be at their house, but you remember some nostalgic feeling. And if you thought about it, maybe you remember you're doing the same things that always happened when you were a child at Christmas. And maybe that's why when you were a child or your children were children. You're not necessarily maybe a big fan of Christmas ham. Maybe you're a turkey kind of folk, but it's not Christmas without that Christmas ham because grandma always used to cook it. So there you have this need for Christmas ham. You could be having the worst day, but Andy Williams slides on the radio and you're in a jolly mood all of a sudden because he's singing it's the most wonderful time of year (coughs) because maybe it was always on when you were growing up. Memories are right next to us and at the same time at a distance. We may not always be able to picture and envision the memory, but we are shaped by memories. That's what Ebenezer Scrooge begins to see that night. Old Scrooge had bah humbugged his way through that Christmas Eve, spitting and stomping on everybody, but that night he is faced with how the sting of his past has turned him into that clutching, squeezing, covetous old sinner that he is. So that soft and gentle ghost takes him on a journey of Christmas's past. Scrooge is whisked away into memory, and the first place that he lands is in an old one-room schoolhouse. And there he sees a bunch of boys, a horse playing, and they all run outside to go and play And here's what Dickens says. The school's not quite deserted, though, said the ghost. A solitary child neglected by his friends is left in there still. 
Scrooge said he knew it, and he sobbed. That lonely child left by all his friends all alone was Scrooge, long before he was quite so Scroogey. And then he's whisked away in the twilight of memory to a house. It's his boyhood house. And it's described this way as a large house, but one of broken fortunes. It's run down. It's poorly furnished. It is unkempt and dirty. And there sits a boy, Scrooge, at a desk, lost in a book. And he looks so joyful as the stories come alive in his mind. And as old Scrooge watches him, once again, he has to dry his eyes. Because he's seen something. He's seen a glimpse of his innocent self before he realized that he was all alone in that house. There was nobody else there. Just like he was all alone at the schoolhouse. There in that house, he remembers that he was all alone with a hard and neglectful father who later in his life would refuse to even let him come home from boarding school for Christmas. It's a glimpse of himself before he decides, you know what, I have to protect myself from all of this loneliness by pushing others away from me. It was before that. It was an image of what life was like before Scrooge built up all those calluses on his heart to protect him from the pain of life. Before he decided that the best way to endure his father was to dedicate his life to not becoming like his father. I will not become like you, a poor, broke man. But as so often happens to so many people, Scrooge's quest to not be a broke man led him to become a broken man. And he didn't even know why. His quest to be the rich man that his father never was made him into the cold, hard man that his father actually was. And he didn't do that on purpose. But the past is like that. It's right next to us and at a distance. And if we're not careful and cognizant, we are formed by the wounds and hurts that happen to us along the course of life. Well, the ghost of Christmas past takes him through the initial joy of his financial career, through the mentorship with old Mr. Fezziwig. I don't know if you remember jolly old Mr. Fezziwig, who became kind of like a surrogate dad to him, which is always a great thing. And then the ghost of Christmas past takes him to the fateful day when Scrooge's fiance Belle left him. Did you know he was engaged to be married? His fiance Belle left him because Scrooge had grown to love money more than he loved her. And the last thing that Scrooge sees before leaving the land of memory that night is Belle as an older woman surrounded by many of her children and greeted by the man that took his place. Gosh, it's unbearable to Scrooge. He said, leave me be, spirit, leave me be. Now He might not see it anymore, but the past, it clings to us like wet clothes. We can't always pinpoint a memory, but we often live out of a response to one. And think about it. Why do you get so angry when so-and-so does that thing that doesn't bother anybody else? Why do you push people away when you don't even really mean to? Why do you do everything you can to make sure that people like you, even if you really don't care if they do? Why do you always try to fix people, even when you have no control over them? Why do you keep trying to win when the prize isn't worth the effort? 
Why do you carry and lug around such a bag of guilt? In other words, how is your past influencing your present? How is your past influencing your present? It's an interesting thing. The past is all we really know. You don't know the fullness of what's going on in this present moment, and none of us know the future. The only thing we really know is what has already happened. And so why do you think that we pine for the good old days when times get uncertain? Because at least we know what it was like there. Why do we try to keep things from changing? Because at least we know what it was like there. Why do we, we prefer to live life out of what we know when we're anxious about things to come? And so whether we know it or not, our past affects us. And if you were to say, no, it doesn't, then I would very, very confidently tell you that you are in strong denial about how your past influences your life. That Christmas Eve night, Scrooge sees himself as a child. He recognizes the way that he's let the hurts of the past change him into who he is. And it hurts. It hurts to face that, and he weeps. Well, the prophet Isaiah tells us about a change as well. The prophet Isaiah talks about a people who are defined in one way. They walked in darkness. That's how they're defined. If you've got your Bibles, you can look at verse 2 of chapter 9, and you can, I want you to notice the verbs. Those are the action words, the being words. Walked. It's a past tense verb. They walked in darkness. This is a people who walked in darkness. And what's interesting is that defines who they are now. That's how they're defined at this moment. What happened in the past affects their lives now. But Isaiah goes on to tell us it's not dark anymore because a light has shined. Something has changed, something that has happened that will change their past from being the people who walked in darkness to the people on whom the light has shined. And what is that? According to Isaiah 9.6, it is that a child has been born for us, a son given to us. And watch what happens from here. Isaiah's telling of this child, the verbs change from past tense to present tense to future tense. Something happens to change the telling of the story from past tense into present and future tense. You can see it as he starts to talk in verse 6. A child has been born and authority rests on his shoulders and he is named. And so what happened between the past and the present tense? A child is born. A particular child has been born. And there's something about this child, there's something about a child that can release our present from our past because so many people, their present moment is imprisoned by their past. And then go on to the next passage. On the first Christmas, the angels bring great news to some shepherds who are out watching their flocks in the dark of the night. I hope you draw the connection between what Isaiah is talking about. They walked in darkness and they are keeping watch over their flock by night. And we're going to look at verbs again. They were watching. They were watching. And, and that were watching shows that this is continually what they do. It's, it's a past event, but they would do it over and over and over again like they had always done, stuck in a routine and rhythm of their past. 
This is what I always do. And we get stuck like that as well. Repeating rhythms of our past experience without even paying attention or understanding it. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? You probably do it every single day unless something strange happens. For some of you, as you reach for your phone, for some of you, you put on your slippers. I can't start my day. I've got to brush my teeth within minutes. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I'll brush my teeth while starting the coffee pot. I'll just walk around with my toothbrush. It just happens like that because we get in routines. But some of us are living in routines that are uh, initiated by a hurtful moment in our past. You'll be in a relationship with somebody, and over a course of weeks or months or years, you find yourself pushing them out and away. Or you're always recognizing, you look back and say, I'm always sabotaging my own successes. Or I'm always putting my own needs, desires, and joys aside because I'm afraid of what happens if the people around me are not happy. I will always pour out for others to the neglect of my own soul. Patterns like these shepherds. But then something changes. Rejoice, a Savior is born. The angels come and they say, you will find a, an answer. No, you will find a great self-help book. No, you will find all the money you need to make it right in the world. No, you will find a child, a child wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And watch, from there, verse 15 says, let's go now to Bethlehem. All of a sudden, snap, the announcement of the Christ child snaps them back in the present moment and fills them with a great urgency and joy. We were watching but now let's go to see this child from past tense to present tense. There is something about this child that can release our present from our past. Christmas is the story of how a child is born and changes everything. The Christ child, Jesus, reminds us of that unbroken innocence before our hearts were broken that first time, like Scrooge reconnecting with his innocent self. We see this child, and you might remember Jesus' later words where he says, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter my kingdom. What an invitation. Christmas is an invitation to remember that our light comes through a child who leads us to childlikeness. Christmas is an invitation to be set free from our loss of innocence by being reborn and returning to childlikeness, returning to a new childlikeness that is like and better than what happened when we first put our walls up, when we first set our defenses, before our present became imprisoned by our past. And the journey of salvation involves allowing Christ to take us there, remembering our pains and hurts, Remembering what caused us to build up the walls in our lives. To face those things as anxious as it might be. And the journey of salvation means that we trust Christ to guide us into the purity of life that we lost when we set defense against our past. Facing our past means that we trust God to care for us as we lower the walls that we've set up around our hearts. And to become like children we must return to the trusting innocence demonstrated by the Christ child. And in order for this to happen, we turn to Jesus for forgiveness for the things that we've done wrong. Sometimes the prison that we're in 
is the guilt and consequence of something that we've done. And we turn to Christ for forgiveness for that. We turn to the Holy Spirit so that we can forgive those who have hurt us. Because many of us are leaving the hurts that other people so unjustly brought into our lives, whether they knew it or not. And it has shaped us. And we turn to the Spirit of God for the power to forgive. And I promise you that if you've been hurt by somebody, you need the power of God to let it go. They may never be able to make right what they did in your life. They probably won't be. Because childhood damage or young adult damage, it grows with you. And nobody can feel that but Christ. But you can let Christ release your hands. So we turn to the Spirit of God for that. And we live in the grace of Jesus Christ so that we can learn to live in the freedom and joy of the gospel instead of the prisons of our past. And so as we approach Christmas, I want to ask you this. What of your past is distant but right next to you? How is the difficulty of your past affecting you today? What defenses have you put up to avoid the pain that might be haunting you in a new way today? Christmas is the celebration of the people who walked in darkness, but they don't have to anymore. Christmas is the celebration of outcast shepherds who are out there in the dark and heard great news and came running toward the light. And all of it centers around a child. We can release, he can release our present and our future from our past. This is Jesus Christ. And in him you can find forgiveness for the things that you've done wrong, comfort from the things that have hurt you, and in him you can be born again into innocent, Christ-like, childlike faith. And he can renew you to the freedom and the joy that you knew before the hard stuff hit you. And he can guide you into future in great light, the great light of redemption instead of the darkness of your past. Your past does not have to dictate your future. Turn to Jesus. Let him pass your defenses and let him make you new like a child. For he came to us like one so that we once again can become like him in childlike faith. Your past does not have to dictate your presence or your future. And that is a Christmas message.